You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. There's a touch of madness around here. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd today, actually, Brian Murphy, the Pioneer Press, and Zolgad, uh, Phil, out on a vacation. Uh, so you, you found this um, this column or piece, Bob Nightingale, USA Today, a longtime baseball scribe. Yeah, very Brian well Murphy. respected, yep. Um, and he basically did... A very, very good job of dissecting what's wrong with baseball right now, as far as pace of play, as far as quality of the product. Well, exactly, and and he doesn't offer solutions, but what he does do is he paints a very good point by point of issues, major issues. And I went through this uh, piece last night and picked out a few, um, starting with the fact, as Nightingale did, that we are on pace for more strikeouts again than hits during the 2018 season. Right now, you've had, um, th- entering Wednesday, 18,613 strikeouts compared to 18,136 hits. Now, 22.5% of all plate appearances. Now, the thing, and the thing that stood out to me are these two. These two jumped off the page at me. Players are striking out, walking, or hitting home runs in 34% of their plate appearances. That means for more than a third of every game, there is not a fielder involved in the action. Once again, 34% of plate appearances are resulting in strikeouts or walks or home runs, which also mean a lot of deep counts. Right, read the next one. This is the sledgehammer. And this is the one I hadn't ever seen before. And, and Nightingale attributed it uh, to SI, but this is the one that stopped me in my tracks. Average time between balls put in play right now in Major League Baseball is three minutes and 45 seconds. From average, between cracks of the bat. Yes. Yeah, so average time. Well, not even that because that counts for foul balls. Sure. But average time between balls put in play, meaning action. Meaning yes. you have to feel the ball or, or or you have to go back to the wall or the warning track to catch a ball. Three minutes and 45 seconds. And that's seconds. the average. So you know there are longer stretches of time where there is nothing other than pitch counts happening. This is that of all the things that we could parse through and find. That to me explains it all. You can't ask people in today's Society. No, not in 2018. Where you have Twitter and you have Facebook and you have Instagram and you are, our, our attention spans, including me at 48, are shot compared to where, compared to 20 years ago when my patience was much higher. If I'm watching something on TV now, I'm scrolling through my phone mm-hmm. or I've got my computer out. And this is not a credit to me. In fact, it's a, it's a detriment, but... It's reality. But the reality is my attention span is shot, and I'll say it again. You are you are asking people to attend and or pay rapt attention to a sporting event where you're going three minutes and 45 seconds between anything happening. And if something does happen, it's generally a home run, 
That's your only ball in play. Well, that's not a ball in play. It's not even considered a ball in play. Here's what I want to, you know, baseball nibbles around this, you know, the pitch the pitch clock and and having the umpire speed speed up the game a little bit and 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 order the 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 batters in the box and all. This these are systemic baked in issues. In other words, hitters today are being measured and paid based on how deep they can work into counts, how much they can elevate the ball. I mean, strikeouts have become acceptable in a game where it used to be an embarrassment to strike out. Now it's acceptable because mm-hmm. you're either going for the fences or you're not. Mm-hmm. And if you strike out, so be it. You know, or or if you if you could strike out three times and work a ten pitched walk, you did your job that day. But what are you doing to enhance the product that you are a part of? Uh, I love baseball. We all do. It's 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 always been a. Uh, casually paced sport, okay? There is no clock. Um, games used to last less than three hours, but you can watch a very exciting three-hour and 15-minute game if there are things happening within that three hours and 15 minutes. Most postseason games for the past 20, 25 years have been going over three minutes, maybe because of longer commercial breaks or three hours, because of commercial breaks or whatnot. But at least there's tension, there's something happening. But right now... The game, the oxygen is being sucked out by pitchers working deep counts or hitters working deep counts and accepting strikeouts as as just part of the game and part of my repertoire and working a 12-pitch walk to get on base to increase your on-base percentage. I mean, it's not, it's unwatchable. And to my naked eye, it's unwatchable. I don't think you can ask anyone to spend that much time and say, well, you're going to see a home run at some point soon. We don't know when, but besides that, you're not going to see much. And it's going backwards completely to ask the public to be patient. Patience is gone. Like it or not, if you're sports, if you're sports, you have to accept that for the most part, especially if you're going to play 162 games a summer, patience is gone. You know, football can get away with big lulls because football once again plays once a week. And it's a television sport, It's a different animal. It, it's a television sport. You get up, you make yourself a sandwich, you go to the bathroom, it's no big deal. Baseball, and, and with football, we, we used to talk about it being too long, but pro football, you've got a pretty good idea exactly what the clock is going to be. Noon to three. And again, it's once a, a week. The According to Nightingale's piece here, attendance is down 6.5% from this point last year, Brian. Average attendance to date, would be right now is 27,675 fans per game, which would be the lowest in baseball since 1996. Five teams as a whole, their attendance is down by more than 200,000 fans. And think of 1996. What was 1996? Two years post uh, strike when fans were still correct, very, very bitter. And what saved that was steroids. 98, <laughs> right? But night, but the summer that that's what people who weren't necessarily paying complete attention back then don't get 98 saved baseball so the whole steroid thing saved baseball yeah but it was people warped. were very oh it was very warped it was very warped but i've i have always said this if you go back and if you gave bud selig truth serum right now and say okay bud we can fix her up we're going to go back to 98 and wipe out the steroids completely and everything's going to be pure but you don't get the mcguire salsa they look like superman home run chase Bud Selig's going to say, get lost. I'll take that every time. 
The steroids are fine. The steroids saved us. Uh, but you're right. 96, you're very much talking about uh, attendance had fallen and fans were mad and you knew exactly Post-strike why. strike angst. And yes. you knew exactly why. That was that was concerning, but you also said to yourself, okay, once we get past this, it might be okay. What's concerning about this is how do you even go about fixing it? And I, I've gone from being the type of guy who says, I think I have some ideas, to in the past month or so saying, I don't know that I could even be on board with what it's going to take to fix this sport, but it's going to it's because it's going to be it's going to have to be so drastic from the sport that I potentially liked and knew. But I also agree I can't sit there for three minutes and forty five seconds between pitches and say I love the sport. But this is the thing you can't fix that necessarily with a rule change or so that's lowering the mound or t- getting rid of the shift. I mean those are separate arguments. The problem is. Players are being judged, especially hitters, are being judged and compensated by on-base percentages, by drawing walks, by working deep counts, and if you're remotely a power hitter, by your home runs. So if these guys are being you know, motivated and monetized that way, how do you unravel that with a rule? I mean, and it starts in the minor leagues. It would have to be drastic. A lot of this is analytics-driven, and I'm not oh, yeah. an anti-analytics guy, but that is what the yeah. unintended consequences of taking all these numbers and putting them in the Cuisinart and figuring out what that means to defend, how it means to maximize your offense and at-bats. Because of that, here is where we are. Attendance is the key figure because money talks. And if the the revenue streams start drying up, if the ratings go down because people are bored uh, with a sport that is already trending older and white in a lot of ways, you're losing market share by the season. That has to be dealt with. And I look, it's it's systemic, and boy, it's tough to to legislate stuff that is. Systemic and the pitch clock is coming, and the pitch clock will help. But here's the problem: the pitch clock doesn't put balls in play. Exactly, it doesn't change the philosophy of it. Doesn't change the philosophy of what the baseball world has grown to deem to be okay. It will speed up games, but you are still talking about a dearth of action because it's not going to change guys' launch angle ideas. It's exit not going to change exit velocities. Working counts. I remember. When the Yankees... Uh, Who gets the, up and hacks anymore? Just get up and hack at no, the first in fa- pitch. In fact, in fact, getting up and hacking is now the equivalent of what the strikeout used to be. Yeah. Hey, what, what, well, no, 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 why aren't you taking you pitches? Why aren't you taking pitches? And it's sort of funny because I remember... I don't know. Be careful. Ten years back. Okay. Ten years back when you would have... You had your guys that always took strike one. Mauer. Mauer always took strike he one. He some takes strike two a lot. Right. But 10 years, 10, 15 years ago, that guy, you could name those guys on, on two hands. The guys that work counts. And then it got to be the Yankees work counts now. And then it got to be the Red Sox are working counts. And now it's everybody works counts. And that's how you, that's how you end up with strikeout, walk, home run. But, but this used to go when we were kids. When, no. I know what you're saying. When when we were kids, Mike Hargrove, the human rain delay, right? One guy. Because he was the one guy who would get in the box, take strike one, put the foot outside the box. The first guy I ever saw readjusting his batting gloves between pitches. Now, Mike Hargrove. Now you name me 
Everybody does A guy does that it. doesn't do that. Everybody does. I, I think it's just, it, it's rote. I mean, it's just like they learn to do that. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a tick that you, they can't help themselves. Um, I, I am concerned because it's, it's a game that is, is fun to watch and you absorb baseball. Whether you're in the seats or even watching it on television, you absorb it. You don't, you know, you don't react on the edge of your seat all the time. I mean, sometimes there are just things that just kind of unfold in baseball, and that's fine. That's healthy. That's entertaining to me. But you cannot go almost four minutes, on average, four minutes yep. without anything no. happening no. in 2018. It just is. You're 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 rotting from inside. It's a terrible business model. Period. I took uh, the wife and I went to the game against the Angels a week ago Friday. We lasted six innings, and I was happy. We pay, you know, you pay to go, and you go, and you last. And try bringing a six or no, seven right, year old. But that's but but the, you can't get through it. I can't blame anybody. You know, I used to be the type of guys like, oh, they're going to leave early from a good game. It's a close game. How can you leave early in baseball? Now you bring your kid. You bring your spouse who who goes because it's it's just sort of a date. I don't fault anybody that by the seventh says peace out. I'm now to here. Bye. Can't take it anymore. I don't. And yeah, if you bring your kids, I mean, your son loves baseball. But can you ask him really to get through a nine inning game these days? Not a night game. No. Certainly not on a school night. And I don't blame you for that. So six five one six four six eight two five five. If you have yeah, any, please weigh in. Folks. Any solutions and, and or are as uh, perplexed by the direction of the sport as we are. Once again, six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. The show is a Mackie and Judd, Brian Murphy, and for Phil today. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Just have to make a little time to do it on fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Gentlemen, the moment has finally arrived. On 1500 ESPN. And we're coming to you from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Chris Singleton, ESPN Radio Sunday Night uh, Baseball Analyst, will uh, join us as he always does at the bottom of the hour. We are right now trying to figure out and fix what ails baseball. 651-646-8255. Hey, Lefty, what's going on? Hey, not too much. Uh, I can't believe this show has been on this long. Really, is seriously. You guys are great together, but uh, I just—I'm a radio guy, and every time I got a day off, I just tune in and listen, and it's so satisfying. Um, well, I thank you, to, sir. Appreciate that. <clears throat> no, absolutely. I met you, Judd, uh, Phil. I met you too, and uh, you're both good guys. Um, I have three things. Well, most pitchers have about what. Three pitches, four pitches yep. I'd like to go to? Well, I got three to you. Here's one. Let's keep the batters in the box. And if you're outside the box readjusting your gloves and tapping your toes and all that, you're assessed a strike. There's one way for me to speed up the game. Number two, I got a question for you. Esky got nailed yesterday. Yep. And it was alleged, I was listening to your show when you had Roy Smalley on, that uh, Gibby came inside on Martinez, and I didn't see that pitch. So one of you said, no, that pitch was on the white stripe of the batter's box. Why do they not retaliate? I was at the New York Yankee playoff game a few years back, and they, they drilled Tommy in the back in the first inning, 
and Liriano was on the mound, and there was no retaliation. What's with this club? They, there's no fight with that. Third, um, I think that Tom Kelly's right. Get rid of the Velcro. Let's go to snaps, and then we can speed this process up. All right, sir. Appreciate I'll it. hang up and listen to your response, and thanks for taking my call. You guys are awesome. All right, Thank you. Okay, Phil, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'll take uh, I'm, I'm going to start throwing bombs in the name of Phil Mackey here. Uh, <laughs> I, yes, the whole stepping out of the box and readjusting the gloves, it annoys us all. I mean, we, we, we can all agree that that needs to be enforced. Get in the box, keep your gloves on and do all that. That's fine. It still doesn't put balls in play. It still does not unravel the systemic issues of players, hitters being motivated, compensated to work deep counts. I mean, you might be able to shave a, a minute off of a game by getting, keeping these guys in the box. Uh, as far as uh, why didn't Liriano avenge yeah. Jim Tomey in 2010? That came out of nowhere. I, I don't know. I'll just say maybe because it was a postseason game and maybe you just save some of that for later. I don't know that we are nearly as much in the eye for an eye era as nah. as we were 30 years ago. Umpires as much as warnings, Jack they Morris don't and Burt would like you to throw at people. Yeah. It's just, I don't think it's how today's athlete necessarily operates. Especially in a postseason game. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. And there's, hey, listen, there's times where if it's going to galvanize your team, that's great, but I'm not convinced it will all the time. And what was the third point? Um, oh, TK's point. Get rid of, of Velcro, like on you know batting gloves, where you can adjust your Velcro oh. and just go to snap so it just stays snap. Ah, yeah, but then they'll find something else. to. You know, then they'll unbuckle Here, their belts and then buckle them again and pull up their socks. These things are like uh, psychological right. ticks. We're, talk, we're talking about, but this and this is where the discussion gets really intriguing. Uh, we're talking about two different things here, both in the name of helping the sport. Correct. Pace, and both, both, both in t- terms of shortening games, too, but they're two pace, things. Pace of play, the, the SI statistic, once again, is average time between balls put in play is 3 minutes, 45 seconds. All right. A pitch clock does nothing. Right. Now, now I am with pitch clocks and getting guys to stay in the box, but that, to your point last segment, doesn't solve the problem of the ball not being in play. How do you get guys hacking again? How do we get past the point where the philosophy is, I'm going to work the count deep, and for a few players, quite a few players at least, the best end result, because I'm looking at a shift, is to hit the ball into the stance. Two different things here. Two different things, both in the name of helping the sport. A couple of uh, guys on Twitter, uh, Matt and Chad, uh, advocate for an automated strike zone, which would force hitters to swing more and, and and have it uh have it have it, make it go from the bottom of the arm to the bottom of the knee so really make it a, a, a large expanded strike zone that's automatically called that's another debate it may force pit, uh, players to swing a little bit more i'm of the thinking though that I, I i hate to lose the human element of the game and we we've already had uh, replay and a lot of unintended consequences of replay. Guys popping off bags in the neighborhood play that were never intended to be reviewed that are being reviewed. These umpires now basically have you know have been handcuffed a bit. I think players still need to you know hitters can adjust to whatever the strike zone is that day. And we've all become armchair umpires because of the fox box. But these guys do a hell of a job, and I still think that they should. We should have the human element behind the plate. Now that being said. Enforce a larger strike zone and enforce guys getting in out of the box. That should be the home plate umpire's edict. 
but none of this still that still does not get to the fact that these guys are all swinging for the fences and they're all working counts for walks. Correct. We're not sol- we're not solving that problem. I mean, that's another problem. And and when you have the ball in play as rarely as it is right now, that's a major problem in a society that wants action. And a home run is fun to watch, but it's not action because it's done. Bam! Now he's jogging. Ball's not in play. The ball's in play, and then it's gone. And now we're on to ball one, strike one, strike two, ball two. Right, okay, let's uh, let's take a break. Chris Singleton makes his weekly appearance with us next. ESPN Sunday Night uh, Baseball Fame on the radio. In fact, we can ask him what would he do. What would be his plan to actually create more action? We'll do that next. Singleton joins us. Mackie and Judd, Brian Murphy, and for Phil. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Happy? Yeah, happy. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. I'm ready! Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins now. With former player turned ESPN baseball analyst Chris Singleton. Hello, Chris. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? We're doing fantastic here. Uh, I'm going to start you off with a discussion that uh, Brian and I were just having uh, off of a Bob Nightingale column that appeared in the past couple days that lays out some uh, statistics and facts about baseball now that, that leads you down the path to realize that when you're talking about what baseball is battling, Chris, I think it's two different things. I think pace of play is definitely one, and we've discussed that a lot. But it's also not just pace of play, but it's balls in play. And and I'm going to give you a couple of uh, statistics that were startling and or striking to me. Players are striking out walking or hitting home runs in 34% of their plate appearances right now. That means for more than a third of every game, there is not a fielder involved in the action. That leads to this one from SI that uh, Bob wrote. The average time between balls put in play right now, 3 minutes, 45 seconds. That stopped me in my tracks. Wow, that does me as well. How about that? When In 2018, where our attention spans, I, I think we, we all would admit, are basically shot, right? Because if we're watching a game, we're scrolling through our phone. And to ask people for nearly, for an extended period of time to say, there's going to be nothing happening. Your thoughts on that? Oh, my goodness. I, I'm... I'm I'm writing down that stat and that note because I want to pay attention to it this weekend when I'm in D.C. doing Phillies Nationals. But that is that's striking to me. Three minutes and forty five seconds between balls and play. Um, yeah, wow. I'm a little bit speechless. But you know, when I think about it, to your point, you know, we're looking at you know a walk, strikeout, home run, um, shifts. You know, shifting has shifting and flame-throwing bullpens that shorten the game have made, in my opinion, you know, the biggest difference. And, you know, what does that mean now? You're shifting, guys, you know, defense is shifting, so guys are looking and saying, hey, i got to get the ball in the air. Um, and the best chance, if I get in the air, is, you know, thinking over the fence because, um, you know, even with the ball in the air, it can still, you know, be run down and caught. So you have, you know, the home run pace that you have. You have the high strikeout pace, um, you know, and, and that other outcome of, of being the walk. So I think that's what's contributing. When we've heard, you know, Rob Manfred talk about, you know, perhaps, you know, limiting shifts, you know, people say, well, why would you do that? There's been a lot of research and, and, and evaluation done to determine where to play guys. 
but it, it speaks to sort of the bigger picture of you know lack of action, lack of of you know kind of scoring by way of outside of the home run. And you know when you think about improving that that pace in terms of being more action, not necessarily shaving off. Yeah, I think if the game was shorter, yeah, it w- it would be better um, because people compare basketball or they compare you know other sports and say, man, I, I, the one thing I hear all the time is basketball. Hey, it's two hours, man. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, baseball can get long and can get slow. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that, that I, I think about. Yeah, you want to see, you'd like to see a pitch clock. But I was thinking last weekend because the game got slow for us, and I was saying, okay, well, here's a runner on first base. Pitcher's taking some time to sync up with the catcher, but let's say we had a pitch clock there. If he if he throws over to first base, it would have to reset the pitch clock because otherwise you couldn't manage the running game. So there there are layers to this onion that you know that prevents it from being a simple fix or easy solution. I think one of the biggest things we were talking about too is is how players today, especially you know middle of the order power run producing players, are motivated by, judged by, and compensated for. What we were, what you were just talking about, working deep into counts, drawing walks, strikeouts have become acceptable, and and going for the home run. I don't know how you unravel that in a in a really quick kind of way. I mean, you can put a pitch clock on, you can enforce guys stepping out of the box. Those are things that are going to nip and tuck, you know, minutes here and there. But if you're talking about systemic uh, ways of competition that are now sort of baked into the game, where do you begin with that? <laughs> Yeah, you know, one of the things, you know, and there's so many, you know, different areas you can pick at. I, I know with the strike zone, all right, you know, they're talked about kind of tightening up the strike zone um, so that guys would have, let's say, a better chance, you know, of hitting or just whatever. But then on the flip side, you know, the pitchers, in terms of their ability, you know, to throw strikes, I don't know that across the board it's as um, consistent with, the mindset that, okay, when I played for the Oakland A's, um, you know, 2003 and, and, and Billy Bean and the A's sort of being the pioneers and front runners of understanding some of these metrics and everything else. And the whole mindset was, Hey, we're going to get this starters pitch count up so we can get into the bullpen and we're going to destroy that, you know, that reliever that comes in around the, you know, fifth inning or sixth inning or so. That's not the case anymore. I mean, you don't really want to get into bullpens a whole lot because <laughs> you're right. many times you got a guy coming in that's throwing harder and nastier, and you're going to see like he's going to throw one inning, maybe one inning plus, and you got the next guy coming in that's throwing harder. You know, so um, it's just different. And, and but you can't automatically say because you could take a team like the Houston Astros; they won it all last year. They were very aggressive. They hit for home runs, and they didn't strike out a whole lot. You know, which goes against sort of the grain of, all right, aggressive teams, you know, are going to strike out a lot. Um, you know, you're going to have more swings and misses. If you're swinging for home runs, you know, that's also going to, you know, prevent you from, you know, other areas uh, of success offensively. So, yeah, I, I don't know, because when you look at the finish line of most people are saying, yeah, you want to be able to win a World Series or you want your team to win a World Series, um, what is that makeup? Like, what's it? It, it constituted of, and let's look at the Astros last year. They had a pretty, pretty interesting approach in the success they were able to have. So, 
in terms of saying, hey, this is what's going to work for the game or work for everybody, I don't think it ever has, and I don't think it ever will. But from an entertainment standpoint, um, something needs to happen, and obviously it's going to seem drastic to players and baseball quote-unquote purists, but this landscape is extremely competitive for eyeballs and for ears and for keeping people engaged and locked in. And at the end of the day, players don't want to hear this. I didn't want to hear this either, but this is a business, yep. and this is entertainment. Yeah, it's our national pastime. Yeah, it's a sport, and guys are, yeah, but you know what? You wouldn't play this game if you didn't have the potential to make the kind of money that you're making. So there has to be a shift as well, a willingness and mindset to look at our industry and say, What's going to be best for our industry and, and make all of us happy? The fans happy, us happy because we're making money, the owners happy. Where do we find that, that common ground? I don't like, Chris, where, where the game is at right now necessarily, but I love the game itself and sport, and I've come to the conclusion in the past couple of weeks, I think the dramatic shift that you're talking about is something that guys like us are going to say, oh, that, that hurts to see, but it might be absolutely necessary for the continued health of the sport. I think you're right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything's <laughs> just look around in society. Like everything's been turned, uh, you know, <laughs> on its ear. I mean, it's just uh, I don't know. We're in we're in a different time, and um, you know, there have to be adjustments, and, and they have to be quicker than than later, or else um, you you know you may get you may get left behind. Um, you know, to a degree. Not that the sport's going to go away by any right. means, but you know, in terms of keeping yourself as a front runner uh, as, as far as a sport of choice, whether it be for fans or even for kids to want to play. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's all. I'm glad I don't have to make those ultimate decisions. Um, you know, I can sort of enjoy it and, and try to adjust as well as a broadcaster to the changes of, of how the game is played, how things are approached. I mean, we had last weekend, you know, we had a, uh, a pure sack bunt opportunity. It was like kind of wild. It was like, Whoa, this is like really like, a sacrifice bunt. Like, they're actually going to bunt. It seems to make sense, and they're going to do it. And I think they actually got it done. And it was like, whoa, where that used to be so common. Like, mm-hmm. it was just expected. Hey, guy gets situation, he's on second base, whatever. We got runners on first and second. Yeah, it's automatic. Like, they, somewhat of a casual fan knew that that's what was coming. Now it's a rarity to see. Exactly. Uh, speaking of different times, Twins-Red Sox yesterday afternoon uh, here, uh, Chris, and uh, in the top of the first, J.D. Martinez gets buzzed by Kyle Gibson. In the bottom of the first, Eduardo Escobar, who's been uh, great as of late for the Twins, comes up and gets buzzed by Rick Porcello, and in trying to defend himself, gets his arm up, and it hits him in the elbow, and he has to leave the game. The old-school folks were saying, where's the where's the retribution from Gibson against the Sox? It didn't come. One, in your day, would, would there have been retribution for what happened to Escobar? And two, do you think with the, with the way guys are wired now, it makes sense that the Twins didn't retaliate when given the opportunity for the rest of that game? Yeah, well, first I would say absolutely. Um, you know, when I was playing, um, someone for the Red Sox would have gotten, they would have gotten smoked, um, no question, because what happens is, you know, the unwritten rules, and, and it's always, you know, up for interpretation depending on, you know, what side you're on um, and the lens that you see it through. But what would have happened um, before was, okay, all right, pitch up and in, Martinez. All right, dust him a little bit. Nobody was hit, no harm, no foul. 
you actually hit one of our guys and you hit him somewhat high, that means now we have to hit one of your guys. Like that's just the kind of way that it, it would go. Okay, you drew blood, if you will. Now we draw blood. Um, and then perhaps people hope it's over, but then on the other side, the other team's going to interpret it, well, yeah, you knocked our guy down, you almost hit him. Um, we retaliated, your guy didn't necessarily get out of the way. So it just kind of keeps going back and forth. But as far as the way the, the game is played right now, we don't want to, I mean, we don't want to see anyone injured. Um, you know, it, it's no fun being in those situations where it's uncertain. It's no fun being the hitter where you're walking up there and you don't know if I can really dig in and enjoy this at bat or if I kind of need to make sure that I'm, I can stay a little, you know, agile in the box because, you know, I could get hit right there. That's not, a, that's not a good feeling and nobody wants to feel that. Um, and I don't know that Eduardo Escobar, um, you know, being the, the, let's say category or class of player necessarily even thought, okay, well, their stud, JD Martinez gets dusted. I'm going to be the guy that, <laughs> yep. you know, they come at. I, I don't think that he's ever had to think that way before. Um, so with that said, um, after the fact, which, you know, hindsight's 2020, I'm looking and I'm like, man, you don't, you got no elbow protection or anything in your tricep or your elbow, but, probably up until this point, he's never really had to think about kind of being that guy with the target if there's retaliation by the other team. But because of his success and because of Rosario, you know, those would be the guys that the other team's going to come after. Oh, uh, Chris, I wanted to pivot a little bit to the American League and sort of the division races, which uh, there doesn't seem to be a ton of intrigue, if you, you know, notwithstanding Boston and New York. Um, I was looking up some stats here. There are five teams right now with winning percentages below 400 and four that are on pace to win 100 games. That's never that's never happened before. Um, and you look at the American League, you know, the Yankees, Red Sox, Astros, if the Indians really do much uh, with a winning streak, they're going to just lock up their their playoff chances pretty early. Do you sense any, any suspense or any intrigue right now in the American League? Well, like... Okay, go back to the off season, right? And how it was such a bizarre off season, and you heard murmurings from whether it was players or agents, where hey, there are teams that just aren't trying. There are teams that um, it seems that they have a they've already made a decision that they're not trying, or or their teams that are in it, and and I I can't say because you know I wasn't the player in free agency or I wasn't the agent. But like when I think back to those things that were being said, and then you actually are seeing the records, like you said, you got a few teams that are boom, they're gonna like win 100 games, and then you got some teams like there's a big gap, right? There's there isn't much middle ground, um, and it's almost seems like that's kind of how the off season was. Like either you were a player that was there was no doubt you were getting signed, you know, first and foremost Shohei Otani or you know whatever, but then there was like this this hesitancy and then there was a gap you know where you just didn't really see that and I, I i don't know if the race you know towards tanking is you know maybe as as passionate and intense as the race towards you know winning 100 games and winning your division i mean it's almost like the mindset of hey if we know we're we don't have a real chance not that players think of this consciously but you'd almost feel like as an organization it's like well all right we need better draft picks. You know, 
I don't know. It kind of sounds conspiracy, you know, theory wise. No, it's but accurate. I think. I, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to to kind of sit down and, and think about and look and just see where where's the trends going, and and that definitely seems to be the trend: bigger disparity between the teams that are good and the teams that are bad. Last thing, sir, if Mike Trout played in the NBA or an NFL. Mike Trout would be on SportsCenter every night. We'd be talking about the greatness. And Mike Trout's having a year that's off the charts great. Do you find it as sad as I do that, and I, I get he plays out west, and so his games start at 10 o'clock on the East Coast, but do you find it as sad as I do that this guy's having a potentially historically great year? And we hear about it, but we don't hear about it that much. Yeah, I mean... It actually has begun to bother me. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Like, I love Mike Trout. I professionally, personally, like he's a he's a great player. He's a great person. But I'm almost like, ho hum, Mike Trout. Like great year. I mean, it's you expect it. It's like you know his teammate Albert for so many years. Nick was nicknamed the Machine, right? Yep. Well, like Mike Trout, like that's what I expect. Like I I I don't know. I don't want to say that I'm not impressed. I just I'm at the point where the dial is so tuned and set to. This is the standard and expectation, and it's not Mike Trout's standard isn't anyone else but himself at this point. Like, it's there's not someone that you're looking to say, hey, I'm comparing him. I mean, you might take historic figures or whatever, but in all reality, living in the here and now, it's like Mike Trout is in a class all by himself, and so you expect that. Um, yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know other than the fact that. I'm well aware of it. I think if you're not, you're just not a you're not a baseball fan. Sometimes I'll ask a players if I'm doing a pregame interview and mm-hmm. like, okay, if you're walking through the clubhouse and there's a ball game on, uh, you know, television, who's the one guy that you stop on your way to the training room or your way to the dining room where you stop because he's at the plate and you're like, I got to watch this guy's at bat. You know, right? And without question, Mike Trout's one of those guys. John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge. Um, probably even Bryce Harper um, in many cases because he's so polarizing. But, yeah, I mean, Mike Trout's that guy where for some it's like, yeah, i got to stop and watch. The others are like, ah, he's going to hit a jack. You know, they just keep on walking through because that's just what the expectation is. I guess. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. My, my pleasure. See you, Chris. Next week. See you. Check out Chris Singleton. He will be working the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball game this week at 7 o'clock on the station, which will be Philadelphia at Washington. Come back and wrap up this hour. And don't forget, in the noon hour, it is a game show Friday. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It's one of the funniest things that ever happened in sports. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Did you purchase a Garage Logic 25th anniversary pint glass? If you did and you don't have your hands on it yet, well, listen up. Got another pickup date set. And that pickup date is tomorrow, Saturday, June 23rd. The 1500 ESPN promo team will be set up on the front lawn at Hubbard Broadcasting between 10 and noon, distributing glasses. You will need to have your vouchers or a valid ID to claim your glasses. You will also receive your free town hall pint when you come to pick it up. More details on the Garage Logic and 1500 ESPN Facebook pages. Thanks, Dave. You're welcome. Uh, TCL Broadcast Studios is where we reside, Mackie. And uh, Judd is the show. Brian Murphy and for Phil. And Nigeria Iceland is an extra time. 
Nigeria up uh, two nil. Is that correct? It is two nil. Iceland had a what just penalty kick a little while ago that they completely missed the net on. It was embarrassing. And now we've got a Nigerian guy who hurt his wrist. Is that the deal? Yeah, he hurt his wrist, and they brought out a stretcher and fourteen what? doctors for him. What is going on? You can't even <laughs> use the wrist in soccer. Right, exactly right. That's the point. Let's go. We're in stoppage time. Finish it up, Nigeria. He's still playing. He's not even that well, bad. Well, they can't substitute for him because they probably oh. used all their substitutions. Okay. But, but I mean, my God, they brought out the backboard and at least five emergency medical technicians, and he has a hurt wrist. So, so here they cast him up. No, he's just grabbing his wrist <laughs> all day. But then, why did he go down to the ground? And and did they add? Extra you know what they gave him? They the gave him a chem seven and a CT stat. I like it. Chem seven. Thank you, Randolph Matthews. <laughs> so my, by the way, from we, I know this has been a complaint Johnny of Gage. yours, Judd. Yeah, the diving and that it should be a yellow card. It seems to me, by what uh, myself and Max have found out, you can get a yellow card if the dive is considered absolutely egregious. I just think it's delay of game. In the earlier game, Neymar, the big star for Brazil. Uh, he took a dive in the penalty box and was awarded a penalty kick, but they did the old you know, VAR video review. Video they, assisted review. Please. Yes, and they ruled that no, no, no penalty kick awarded. That was an absolute dive, and a lot of people were commenting, well, we, he should have got the yellow card, too. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if you're going to, if you're going to decide that it was an absolute dive, then, then the VAR, can, can the VAR result in the yellow card? I would assume it can if the dive is considered absolutely egregious that bad. Maybe, but like, you remember the NFL? If they go under the hood to review one call, they can't come out with another one. No, they can. They can look at the whole thing. No, but they can't, they can't look at a, a pass interference and then oh. call a holding because they missed it. I got you. I don't know. Am I making sense or am I just I muddy, muddying the you're waters? On, no, on I think you're making sense here. Okay. But it's over. It's over. Okay, Nigeria. so that's it? Yeah. Good Nigeria. victory. Extra time is over. You beat the skull chant. So who, I don't know how No more skull chant. Well, or are they still not, playing? They're still playing, okay. right? I, yeah, yeah. I think they're still two, in pool play. I believe they had two draws. I think they were. Was this their third game? I think this might have been their third game. I, I thought know. they had two draws. Whatever. This is their second game. They drew Argentina. Thank you. Yeah, get and, it right, Judd. And with Nigeria winning, that actually helps out Argentina because uh, Argentina lost to Croatia. That would have been a big deal if Messi ended up out. But now I think Argentina has a pretty good shot as long as they beat Nigeria. Wow. But Intern I, Max at the soccer desk. Yeah, I've actually... We Keep did, going. Take the rest of the show. Well, That's we, fine. We did a write that down a long time ago about how many games I was going to watch. I said under three. No, I've, I've basically watched. You got hooked? Yeah, I kind of got hooked. And, uh, but yeah, I bet I don't you don't watch baseball, young man. I still watch the Twins. But you don't watch the rest of the big leagues? Yeah. yeah. You're what, 20 what? 21. Yep, see? Are you done with yep. the sport? We lost no, it. I, I like baseball. Okay. Still one of my faves. <sighs> one of my faves. One of my faves. Thanks, By the way, kid. Argentina. <laughs> Argentina didn't lose to Croatia. They got... Obliterated. That's like a 15 to nothing blowout in, yes. in any Why'd other sport. I was looking at uh, a Twitter, too, and apparently yeah. the country is so despondent that all national television shows, live television shows, stopped for a moment of silence. I just showed Dave that clip. Yeah. Yes. Like Jerry Springer there stopped? I, I don't know if all of them, but it was like there the was recap a, show. It was the post game yeah, show. Like, oh, right? it was the sports show. Yeah, they had a moment of silence. They mourned. Yes. they mourned the loss. <laughs> There's what three, four, five guys around the like, desk. Yeah, you know they're, they're, they're the break bowed, it down guys, and they're just bowed. staring at each other. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and their eyes were looking around. Uh, Thank you. 
<laughs> now please rise for... <laughs> what is coming up in uh, questions of significant importance, David? Such good questions, including a possible way to get people back into the Gopher football stadium during mm. games, or maybe not. We'll find out. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And we're out. On 1500 ESPN.